for another episode of the Cleveland Moto Delivers podcast. Uh, we're in the truck. We just got done delivering some bikes and picking up some bikes for service. Generally speaking, uh, a good day out. Typical Monday around here, we do pick up some deliveries. And uh, that is the, the definition of a Monday for us. And we're going to talk today a little bit about deferred maintenance and uh, what deferred maintenance is all about why it's important, why we, uh, why it causes us so much trouble here in the service department, how you can probably minimize it uh, in your own garage or in your own stable of bikes because it is, uh, it, it's, it's not so hard to do. Deferred maintenance is the very nicest possible way of calling somebody a slacker. It's the very nicest possible way for a service technician to let his service writer know that this guy doesn't take care of his bike. And there are so many different things, small things, that we all overlook, every single one of us, in the ownership of our bikes. And some of the stuff, it's really easy to do. Some of the stuff you should be doing annually without fail, yet almost every bike that we see come into the shop has very similar problems on um, almost every single bike. Now, this is little stuff, uh, but that's not what we're talking about. When we talk about, oh, you know, 80% of the bikes that come into the shop have less than 20 PSI in the tires. That's true, that's a real thing. Uh, and you'd think that, <laughs> you'd think that before you went to the dentist, you'd wanna brush your teeth, right? But that's not the case. We do get vast majority of the bikes come in and they'll be, they'll be uh, very low on air in the tires and there'll be almost no oil in the crankcase. And that's the real, I mean, that's the real low bar stuff. What I wanna talk about, what I think we should all be paying a little bit more attention to is the more important stuff. Uh, we had a bike come in last week, and I swear to God that in its 25,000 miles, its valves were not adjusted, not once. And we're talking a bike about a bike that has a very simple uh, nut and post adjuster system. So there's no reason for that bike to have not had its valves adjusted other than just ignorance on the part of the owner laziness um, now I'm not gonna try to throw any particular one owner under the bus this guy might have bought this bike third-hand used in any case though if you are buying a bike third-hand used it's a good idea to start with the basics and get those valves adjusted now here's the issue Every type of valves in a motorcycle, when they become out of adjustment, and I want to speak in wild generalizations here, I don't want to get into a particular style or particular operating system of valve here. The point being that on your uh, best day, you're going to not have your valves open long enough. Uh, best case scenario for inappropriately adjusted valves. 
worst case scenario, you're going to be bashing those valves uh, into their seats. You're going to actually be doing mechanical damage to the bike. Also, you will be doing damage to the cams. So you can have a situation where you'll be burning the cams. And these are very expensive long-term fixes. Something as simple as two valve adjustments over the course of a bike's 30,000 mile uh, life could have prevented a complete head replacement. Because once the valve seats are damaged, we're not going to go in there and repair those valve seats. We are going to replace the heads. And that is going to be expensive. Uh, it's not going to be the kind of thing that anybody here wants to pay for. Not ever. So be fully aware of that. That's, that's the expensive result of not doing some periodic maintenance. Deferred maintenance. What is that also? Well, that means when we take a look uh, inside your bike, when we drain the fluids, when we look in the filter, we see black, nasty particulate matter. We see heavy-duty gobs of crap. And where we are here, uh, we get a cold winter. Most of our customers aren't riding the bike between, let's just say, December 15th and March or April 1st, right? So we know that the vast majority of bikes are going to be laid up for that period of time. Now, unless your garage is heated to 60 degrees, you're going to be experiencing condensation inside your motor. Uh, that's going to happen. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to prevent that from happening uh, through normal traditional means. If you go out and you start your bike up and run your bike for 10 or 15 minutes, um, that's not helping. You've got to run your bike long enough to cook all the moisture out of the oil, to cook all the moisture out from under the valve covers, to cook all the moisture out of the exhaust. That's a hell of a lot longer than 10 or 15 minutes, which if you say that you're out there starting your bike and running it to keep the battery charged and to keep the fuel moving, yeah, that's one thing but you're actually just adding water. You're adding moisture to a bad situation, unless you're running the bike for quite a long time and cooking that moisture out of the system. Deferred maintenance is what we call it. When we drop the oil out of your bike and it comes out in lumpy, clumpy chunks, uh, that means that somebody hasn't been maintaining this bike. And that's where we see the problems. We see problems in motorcycle chains, drive chains, that are so gunked up that if I were to take the chain off the bike, it would hold its position. Uh, a chain that won't flop around like a loose, uh, sloppy, fresh, brand new, out of the crate chain should. It's got the oval sort of mm, locked into it with a very highly abrasive uh, oil, road grit, the one time that you put chain wax on your chain, the one time after you installed it and have never given it anything in the way of cleaning ever since again. Uh, yeah, we see that. And that's again, that's something that should be addressed, at least inspected at the beginning of every year and addressed right then. When a bike comes in and it has hooks 
where the teeth in the sprocket should be, or there's just barely anything there at all. You know, we know that bike hasn't been getting proper maintenance. There's no way to even suggest that it has. So that is how something that can be really affordable can turn into a more expensive thing. Uh, we see that. We absolutely see forks that could have been cleaned. Fork seals could have been simply replaced and uh, back on the road again. But instead, we've got guys that have been uh, running the same bikes with filthy, nerdy, dirty, nasty forks where his uh, fork legs are just full of, uh, if there's any oil left in it at all, if it hasn't pumped it all out through the seal, there's so much dirt and crap in there that it's just grinding the chrome. And you're ending up with grooves on the chrome. And now we're not going to be able to affix new seals and make those legs stop leaking. Well, now we need to replace those very expensive uh, chrome stanchions. So that's a bad thing. That's a... That's something that could have very easily and very affordably been prevented. These are not cars. We don't see these things coming in with 100,000 or 150,000 miles on them. And unlike a car, all the parts that you need to keep an eye on are right there. You can look at the vast majority of them. So you should be looking at them. Uh, yes, change oil. Just change it. You know, just, just change it. Uh, I do change my oil in November because I like the oil to sit over the winter fresh. I don't like the, all the water. I don't like all the hydrocarbons to be in the oil all winter long. That's not my preferred method. Uh, that is a big deal. When we see a motorcycle come in with eight-year-old tires and we look at the bike and it's pretty obvious the tires aren't worn out the bike is probably only gone 2,000 miles on those tires, but those tires are hard like wood. Um, all the delicious rubbery bits of it has gone away. So it's, it's, it's leached out into the atmosphere, and what's replaced it is this hardening effect of ozone, and those tires don't feel good to run on. I can think of a bike in my shop right now that's got 700 miles on 10-year-old tires. That's not safe, man. That's completely not safe. The other thing, spokes. Uh, I can tell you that the vast majority of the people that I deal with haven't twisted a spoke uh, to maintain it, to lube it, to uh, anything since the day their bike was new. And especially since in the... Uh, early oddies, right, the naughties. Cafe Racer was such a popular thing, so many companies that were fitting uh, alloys, mags, on their bikes uh, started putting spokes on because they were, you know, cosmetically pleasing. It was with that Cafe Racer or that vintage standard look they wanted to have. Well, I mean, those spokes, the maintenance order for those isn't just hit them with the power washer and uh, some extremely highly concentrated detergent three or four times a year. You know, it's not it's, uh, hosing them down with Simple Green and letting that stuff cook on there and then hosing them off the power washer. That's not it. Uh, the amount of corrosion that I see both around the nipple of the spoke where it enters the rim and also uh, on the nipple where it's 
threads are showing up on the spoke itself. Uh, you go to turn that spoke, it's going to break off in your hands. We've had that happen. Go to try to make a minor truing adjustment and have that thing break off. Also, you're getting a ton of corrosion into your wheel itself and they're already too much corrosion inside of motorcycle wheels we don't need to introduce more of it with pressure washers and things like that it wouldn't hurt you to use some corrosion blocker or acf 50 or wd-40 around that area where your spokes go into your wheels if you did that if you're going to have ingress of anything geez wouldn't it be great to have some ingress of some wd-40 instead of having in ingress of uh strong soap and water and of course it would uh, those things lead to premature failure of inner tubes running around on a tire with low air pressure in an inner tube will cause the inner tube to fail far uh far more likely than it should, especially around the valve itself. So that's what we're seeing when we see bikes that are running around because your tube is moving around inside your tire and it's moving around against your rim and your rim strip and you're going to get that uh, abrasion in there, it's going to fail. So important stuff really when we talk about little things that add up. If you are getting ready to put your motorcycle back on the road and it's been sitting all winter, it is absolutely the time to check your owner's manual and think about all of the maintenance items. I mean all the maintenance items, not just taking the oil out, not just changing the filter. I mean, it's a really good idea to go over everything. Uh, if your oil comes out at the bottom of your crankcase and your oil is uh, sparkly like a disco ball from the 70s, then you've got a lot of metal in there. You want to get that out. It's not, it's not a bad idea to flush your motor occasionally. There is nothing wrong with draining your old motor oil out and filling your motor with kerosene. Uh, filling your motor with kerosene and then cycling your motor several times because that kerosene is zero weight. It's thin, thin, thin. It's gonna get into all the nooks and crannies. You know, secret confession, I have in fact taken old motors that I have restored and when I did not want to do the entire motor tear down and break everything down and do a full motor rebuild from the ground up, a good way for me to know what I'm working with is drain the nasty oil out of it, put kerosene in it, and start and run the motor for a very short while, a very short duty cycle. There will be enough lubricity there to not damage your motor, but more importantly, that kerosene is going to go all kinds of great places and bring lubricating moisture back to a lot of seals, bushings and bearings that may not have had it for a very long time or may have developed a light coating of rust inside the engine. I know it sounds crazy to run a motor with kerosene in it, but I have done it and it has worked very well for me. So I do recommend that. We're not talking about running the motor for 20 minutes. I'm talking about mo running the motor for like a five minute cycle and then shutting it off letting it cool and then running it again for like a five minute cycle and then draining it out. You'd be shocked at what comes out when you drain kerosene out of your motor. It's, uh, it's eye-opening to say the least. It also makes you aware of what's happening inside of there. Especially if you've got a motor that's 20 or 30 years old, maybe only has seven or 8,000 miles on it. I assure you, 
Water has done more damage inside that motor than miles have. It's a really good thing to look at. Deferred maintenance as it relates to the cooling system. This is always a problem. Think about the last time you changed the coolant in your car. If you are driving a car and your car is 10 year old, it probably has the same coolant in it it left the factory with. That's not shocking to me. In fact, I would say if you look down your street at every 15 year old Toyota, part of the reason people buy Toyotas is this, I'll never have to work on it. I'll never have to do anything to it. And they live up to that with a vengeance and they don't do anything to it. And they're lucky if they throw an oil change at it every 6,000 miles. Well, that is the absolute death warrant for a motorcycle. We see far too many bikes coming in here with leaking water pump seals and leaking components in the cooling system. Well, when a cooling system quits working, um, if it dumps its coolant, in a car, six-cylinder motor, four-cylinder motor, it's remarkably forgiving. This situation can exist for quite a few minutes uh, before the driver is alerted to a major problem. Uh, and realistically, most of the time, side of the road, wow, shut the thing off, uh, let it cool down, and then make the repair, tow it in, make the repair. Nine times out of 10 in a car, you do get away with it. I can tell you the same cannot be said with motorcycles. When a, when a situation gets so bad in a motorcycle that uh, you've got a coolant shortage, you've got a coolant leak, it goes from, boy, everything's okay, to everything is fused and burned out, and your head is warped, and forget any gasket surface in that bike holding pressure ever again. It goes from normal to that in about 45 seconds. And that's because the thermodynamic efficiency of motorcycle engines are running right on the ragged edge. They are right, they don't have the space to give you a surplus of radiator. They don't have the, the space to give you extra large uh, coolant hoses and extra large thermostats. Everything is as small and as light and as minimal as it can be. The amount of coolant you even have in the system is at the bare minimum. So because of this, when we do experience something like a uh, corrosion on a water pump seal, well, yes, that, that happens all the time. The motor sits stationary for quite a while. Uh, if you haven't changed your coolant in five years, you would be amazed at how much corrosion you have. When you drain it out, you're gonna be shocked at how much uh, rust there is. Even though you may have an aluminum motor, the amount of corrosion and stuff and particular matter that you see come out in your coolant is gonna shock you. Well, remember, all those parts that are rusting are not the engine cases. Those are the shafts, the bearings, uh, everything inside the engine. Uh, that's that ferrous metal that is being attacked by the water that has been introduced into your system through condensation. Uh, if you drain everything out of your system and you replace it with good appropriate coolant, uh, and I'm not talking about 50-50 mixing it with tap water, uh, I'm talking about proper correct coolant. 
um, it's going to be a lot cleaner. You're going to have a lot less of that harmful, abrasive, corrosive material inside your engine. And remember, you've got two things going for you. You've got oil, that's doing quite a bit of cooling for you. And you've got either air cooling or water cooling. And that's what you've got. That's, that's it. That's how we keep the motor turning. So when we see that, when we see a vehicle coming in, we see a bike coming in, and I'm like, hey, let's drain the coolant out of this thing. And we crack the bleeder, we crack the drain at the bottom, and nothing comes out. I mean, absolutely nothing comes out. That's not even unusual. That's pretty friggin' normal, right? Uh, the stuff that comes out looks like jelly or looks like paste. This is all because of deferred maintenance. And that gets us at the shop. It's one of those items where I know the customer brought the bike in for an oil change. I know it's springtime. I know why they brought it in. I know they brought it in for a tire. But if you don't have service records on the machine, you have to ask, when was the last time the coolant was changed? And then expect them to tell you, I just don't know. I have no idea. Um, it, never while I've owned it might be the statement. Uh, but that's a thing that you should really be looking at because master, uh, master cylinders, the same way with brake fluid. Brake fluid does the exact same trick. And once a brake line, a brake hose or a line, if you've got lines instead of hoses, uh, once that gets contaminated, once the corrosion starts, that's like hardened arteries in there, uh, the efficiency drops very fast. The amount of schmutz in there goes up very fast. Once it starts going bad, it's amazing how fast it goes. And it doesn't take much, and I mean very little all of these crystals and of these um, oxidized particulate matter to get behind o-ring seals to get in between mating surfaces allowing air ingress into the system which takes away your brake power and more importantly your fluid in your brakes acts as a heat sink a tremendous amount of heat is generated when we squeeze two pieces of material, sometimes organic, sometimes not, against a brake rotor to stop a vehicle. The amount of heat that comes out of these things is incredible, and it tends to go right into the fluid. And you don't want your fluid to start boiling. The second your fluid starts boiling, gases, highly compressible gases, take up space inside your brake lines, which should only be full of non-compressible oils, right? And when these highly compressible gases are there, your brakes will freaking go away in a second. And I have had that experience uh, while riding a not even four-year-old bike down a hill in St. Thomas, a pretty steep hill. And the bike that was not even four years old, uh, by the time I went through my, maybe my fifth or sixth pretty steep downhill with two up on the bike, uh, turns and I'm going through using the brakes and my front brakes went away and I mean they were gone there was no getting them back that was it and when you've got no brakes you've got no brakes you can't pump up what isn't there that's not gonna happen so that is deferred maintenance if your brake fluid and your brakes haven't been I hate to say it but either at minimum have brand new brake fluid pumped through them it's not hard to do or taken apart and actually cleaned up. Um, if you haven't done that, 
in five years or 10 years or 15 years? You probably should. Uh, you will find out that your brakes don't work anymore. You will find out that your brakes are, uh, your brake fluid is compromised and that they boil out uh, too soon, if at all. You will find that out at the absolute worst moment. You're not going to find that probably back and forth commuting to work, but that one time when your buddies are like, yeah, let's take our bikes down to the Dragon. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. And you go down to the Dragon, and about, you know, something like 40 turns in, your brakes don't work anymore. Well, at that point, you're going to have a very, very, very bad day. And you're going to find out when you do attempt to fix the solve, solve the problem right then, it's going to be a hell of a lot more expensive than had you done it as part of a maintenance routine, or maybe even as some remedial maintenance you can do right now for something that you haven't been doing for the past five or ten years that you've owned that bike. So, you notice a trend here? Yeah, me too. Uh, that's that whole thing that they used to say, pay me now or pay me later. Well, this is a real deal. I know it's not funny, I know these aren't the jokes, but this is what I want to take these opportunities to talk to you about. Uh, this is something that is important, and if you aren't looking into it, please do. Uh, because it is super duper important stuff and don't let deferred maintenance bite you in the ass because it really can and I assure you guys like me who own uh, 14 or 15 or 80 motorcycles that's a real problem I mean a real real problem and I can tell you in my bike in my collection we walk into my garage right now I can tell you that bike hasn't fired a shot in eight years that bike hasn't fired a shot in 10 years 15 years so if anybody's gonna buy those bikes from me and they're gonna put them back into service it had better spend a good long couple days in the garage having everything put at it and I mean brake hoses coolant lines the whole deal just because you're buying a bike with low miles on it doesn't mean you're buying a bike that's ready to go low miles can be an absolutely horrifying thing you buy a 20-year-old bike and it's got the factory brake hoses on it, you should be scared. You buy a 20-year-old bike, it's got the factory coolant lines on it, it's got uh, pinch clamps on it, hog nose clamps on it, and they look very factory, you should be scared. Keep in mind, you're going to have to do that. You need to do that before you start putting any real miles on the bike. All right. Well, that was it. I want to let you guys uh, go back out into the world. I hope you like these short episodes, and please remember to ride fast and take chances.